All right. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year to you. It's great to be here with you this morning. Uh, you know, as um, I was thinking about uh, this week, it's kind of thinking about where to start. You know, it's a new year. Today's the, the first day of 2017, and I... Um, thought it'd be great to spend some time just going before the Lord and asking God for some direction and asking Him um, as we kind of wait for a little more concrete timeline with as far as our move and everything and start that next series. Like, what should we focus on at the start of this year? What does God want us to be thinking about as we start this year fresh? And the thought just kept coming back to me over and over again that for us as a church and even for us as individuals, I think that the best place for us to start 2017 is with a desire to be closer to God. And for us as God's people, just to be filled with a longing for Him. And for that to be, like some of you, some of you, you know, make New Year's resolutions and some of you don't. And I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't. Uh, but I think if we were to make a New Year's resolution, I think, it, I think that a great one would be just for us to draw closer to God this year, for us to draw nearer to his presence and to seek him and to make this year be about that more than anything else. And so that's how I kind of arrived at uh, this, this series. We're calling it Closer. And the series is really about how we can overcome obstacles to be closer to God and to be in his presence as his people. And today we're going to talk about Probably the biggest obstacle that we face as Christians today. Um, now, when you, every one of us loses things in life. We lose things. Um, one of the things that we lose all the time in our house are remote controls. <laughs> Any of you lose remote controls all the time? We, you know, we have, I don't know how many remote controls in our house, and we lose them all. Um, we have... In our living room, we have these two ceiling fans with lights on them, and they have remote controls. They're not controlled by a switch. They're only controlled by the remote. So if you lose the remote, you can't even turn the light on. And, of course, they get lost. And this last week, one of our – I always blame it on our kids because it's just easy to do, and I'm probably right. And, of course, one of the remotes was missing, couldn't turn the light on, couldn't turn the fan on. And I'm like, you know, okay, which – okay, I know one of the kids – is responsible for this, but I'm going to find this remote. And I know that if I don't find it, like, now, I'll never find it. Like, there's like a 24-hour window, and I feel like if I don't find it within the first 24 hours, it's gone forever. And that's actually how it's played out in my life many times with remote controls. So I'm looking all over the living room. I know it's got to be somewhere in the living room, probably. And I'm pulling up cushions on all the furniture, and I'm looking underneath the furniture, and I'm tearing apart the whole living room, looking in the, in the book behind the bookshelf, everywhere. I'm thinking, where could they have put this remote control? And I literally started then pulling the furniture to different parts of the room because I was so determined that I was going to find this remote control. And there was this one chair, and I had already turned the cushions, you know, upended the cushions and looked underneath it, never saw anything. But then I moved it, I completely moved it to another part of the room. And there it was. I was just sitting right there. I hadn't seen it the first time. It was hiding behind some toy or something like that. And the reason I tell you that is just to, just to, just to make a simple observation. If you want to find something, you have to look for it until you find it. Right? 
Aren't you glad you came to church today to, to learn that? If you really want to find something, you have to look for it until you find it. You cannot stop. You can't give up. If it takes you, you know, 20 minutes. It took me 20 minutes to find that remote. And I felt like that was a big waste of time. But it actually, I actually found it. So it was somewhat rewarding in the end. But, you know, it's just the truth. You have to keep looking, keep searching. You have to stick with it. You can't give up until you find it, what it is you're looking for. And I want to apply that principle today in relationships. Because I think relationships work the same way. Relationships require the same kind of diligence. In other words, if you want to get close to someone, you have to look for them. And what I mean is you have to diligently search for ways to connect with that person. You have to... You have to find out what they like and find out who they are beneath the surface. And you have to kind of search out their heart. You have to find out what makes them happy. You have to look for what makes them afraid and what makes them angry and the things they put their hope in. You have to look for what makes them excited about the future, what makes them sad, what motivates them. Those are things you have to search for and it takes, very, it takes time to discover those things. And it takes a lot of searching in order to really know someone. And then there comes a time in the relationship where you can maybe say, I have found them. I've found out who this person really is because I've spent the time diligently searching them. I've, I've been searching them out and I've discovered who they really are, what makes them who they are. And that's what it means to develop a close relationship with a person. You have to be willing to diligently search for them and to look for them and to find them. But what happens when they don't want to be found? <laughs> you know, what do you do when you want to get closer to someone? You find someone who you want to build a relationship with and you want to take the relationship to the next level, but they don't want the same thing you do. Have you ever been in that situation? Maybe it was a friend. Maybe you had a friend and you wanted, it was someone you were, you were uh, just drawn to, someone you admired and you wanted to attach yourself to them and get to know them, find out what makes them tick, become more like them, get the things they have, whatever. And they just, you know, you put in the effort, you tried making connections and they just weren't interested. They didn't reciprocate and after a while you just gave up. Sometimes that happens. Maybe it was someone, maybe, maybe you're, let's, let me just say this to the guys because I think most of the guys have probably experienced this. Maybe you met a girl. And you became friends, and you discover, I, you know, I would really like this to become more than a friendship. And so you started to search her out, right? And you, you wanted to take the relationship to the next level, and you found out that they really didn't. <laughs> you know, maybe you got to the place where you, you even started dating them and started, you know, taking next steps and stuff, and you've realized, I'm in love with this person. And you said to them, at, at a point, you finally got up the courage to take that risk and to take that step. And you said, I love you. And they're like, I love being with you. Or, oh, thank you. <laughs> Is there any worse feeling than that? <laughs> and you're like, oh, thanks. That's not exactly what I wanted to hear, but thank you so much. Maybe, though, it was with a parent. Maybe for some of you, you wanted to have a deeper relationship with your mother or father. And they just, no matter how much you tried to invest in the relationship and to find, you know, to find them out, to seek them out, they weren't interested in taking the relationship to the next level. They weren't available to you. You know, there's that famous song that was written in the 70s, Cats in the Cradle by Harry, Cha Harry Chapin. 
Some of you remember that song. It's one of the saddest songs I've ever heard. You know, it's about this father who has this son, and he just isn't available to him. He never makes the son a priority, and in the, in the end, his son becomes just like him. And in fact, Harry Chapman said of that song, which he wrote, he said, frankly, this song scares me to death. Because he had this, that kind of relationship with his dad, and some of you have had that kind of relationship with your father or mother, where you wanted the closeness, you wanted to be close to them, you wanted to have an intimate relationship with them, but they didn't want the same thing. Sometimes we experience this with our own spouse. Unfortunately, some of us have experienced this with your spouse, your husband or wife. Maybe the relationship started out great, and you started out with some you know, deep sense of security and, and love and longing and intimacy and affection. And over time, you gradually just grew apart. And then one day you turn around, it's like, what happened? Where's the excitement? Where's the passion? Where's the affection? Where's the enthusiasm? Where's the spark? Where's the meaning? Where, where's the depth that we used to have? You know, when's the last time that we laughed together until our, until our stomachs hurt? When's the last time we flirted with one another? When's the last time that, that we got goosebumps around each other? When's the last time we went out looking for each other? You know, it seems like over time, you know, you get kind of used to someone and you think you know everything about them and you stop looking for them. And that's the worst thing that can happen to the relationship, isn't it? And then you, maybe you decide, okay, I want to make, I want to, I want it to be the way that, that it was. I want it to be better than the way it was. We need, we need a jump start. We need a change in our relationship. And your spouse is like, you know what, I'm fine. I kind of like the way things are. And that's a, a very terrible thing to go through. But what about, what do we do when we experience this with God? What do we do when we experience this with God? Has God ever seemed distant to you? Has it ever seemed like you were in a place where you were pouring your heart out to God? And you just wanted to grow closer to God. You just wanted to experience more of God. And so you did everything you thought you were supposed to do. You said everything you thought you were supposed to say. And God said nothing. And it just seemed like, he, is he even there? Does he even hear me? I don't know, maybe some of you have experienced that. But I have news for you today. You know, we have that backwards. We have that backwards. That is actually the way that God feels with us. Did you know that? God is the one who wants to go deeper. God is the one who wants to get closer. God is the one who's ready to take things to the next level. We are the ones who are way too easily pleased. We are the ones who say to God, God, I know you love me. I know you're speaking, but you know what? I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing okay. I'll get back to you later. We're the ones who are keeping God at a distance. And throughout the Bible, we hear over and over again that God wants a relationship with us. And God desires to be near us. He desires you. He wants to pull you in closer the God of the Scriptures is not a distant, impersonal God. He's not the kind of God who is satisfied with seeing you on certain holidays or even certain days of the week. He's not interested in keeping accounts with you. He's not interested in being there for you only when you need Him the most or only when you're in some kind of trouble. You know, we see, it, we see this depicted in movies all the time. 
Someone gets in some kind of trouble, and then they cry out to God, and ooh, there he is, you know? In, in fact, one of the greatest movies, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. Some of you probably watched that recently. There's George Bailey at the end of his rope in a Martini's bar. And he's thinking about taking his own life, and he's, he's at the end of his rope, and he, and he starts praying. And he says something like, God, if you're up there, and you're listening... Show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. And and sure enough, God shows up. And you know, it almost makes God seem like a standby God. Like he's just standing by for us. He's like this impersonal force that he leaves us to our own devices, and he's mostly absent from our day-to-day lives. He rarely steps in, but when we're desperate enough, He takes the time to listen. Is that a fair picture of God? I don't think so. God already knows us at the deepest level. We we talked about that this last year. He already knows everything about us. And he wants more. He wants to bring us close to him so that we can know him as he truly is, not as we want him to be. He wants our relationship with him to be the first priority of our lives. And he doesn't settle for less than that. He's not satisfied with our respect. He's not satisfied with our reverence and awe. He's not satisfied with our weekly worship. He is not satisfied with our offerings and sacrifices. He's not satisfied when we keep things casual. He wants a close relationship with us and nothing less. He wants to be a part of every detail of our lives. I did a a brief uh, word study this past week, and I was amazed at how many places there are in God's word that describe God looking for us. You know how many times that God tells us he's looking for us and searching us out and searching our hearts and searching out our desires? He is seeking us. He is finding lost people. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. God is looking for people who aren't even looking for him. And then he finds them, and then he completely turns their life around. That is what God does. That's when God's at his best. And when God finds a lost person, he stays with them. He stays with them through everything. He doesn't leave their side. He doesn't become unavailable. He doesn't grow distant. He doesn't turn his back on them when they fail. He doesn't abandon them, even though they might very well turn to other things when the going gets tough. God just keeps searching and he keeps coming after us so that we can get closer and closer to him. That's what God does. Now, what are we supposed to do? If that's what God does, what are we supposed to do? What are we urged to do if we want to get closer to God? What are we supposed to do? I'd like to share a few. This is just a sampling of of, uh, Bible verses I'd like to share with you this morning that give us an idea of what we're supposed to do in response to the way that God searches us. In Deuteronomy 4.29, we read this. Seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. In 1 Chronicles 28.9, David, King David, is passing on the torch to his son Solomon near the end of his life. And he says this, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father, and serve him with a whole heart and and with a willing mind. If you seek him, he will be found by you. In Psalm 27, 8. 
You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. In Psalm 119, verses 9 through 10, this is a famous passage. We read, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. In Proverbs 8.17, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently. Find me. In Jeremiah 29, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. In Matthew 7.7, Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And then in Hebrews 11.6, the writer says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So what would you say is the main activity we must be engaged in if we want a closer relationship with God based on those passages? I think if we want to be closer to God, we have to seek him. We have to seek him. And we can't just look casually for God. We, we can't just look, just look around. You know, just look like if you're looking for something and you just look around and you're not willing to turn anything over, you're not really interested in finding it. We have to be willing to look until we find him. We have to look diligently. We have to keep looking and looking and seeking with our whole heart, not half a heart. Not with our leftovers, not when it's just convenient, not when we just think we need him, not when we're at the end of our rope. If we want to get closer to God, we have to search and search and search with our whole heart. Almost as if if we don't find him, we might lose him. I mean, we almost have to come into it with that kind of attitude. Like, God, I'm not going to stop looking until you, until you speak to me. Until I hear from you. Until I know I found you. And that brings us to our text for this morning. I know it took us a while to get here, but our text this morning comes out of the book of Revelation. In chapter 3, and Jesus is writing, uh, he writes individual letters to seven churches. And we're going to read his letter to the last church here. The church in Laodicea, in in Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. And And this is what Jesus says to the church in Laodicea and what I believe he's saying to us this morning. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, that's Jesus, the faithful and true witness, that's Jesus, the beginning of God's creation, that's Jesus. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now Jesus is writing to a church. These are Christians. He doesn't call them hypocrites or evildoers. Apparently he knows their deeds. They're doing good things. They're actively attending worship services and all that kind of thing. But they're not on fire for God. They do not have an intense desire to be closer to God. And because of this lackluster, casual, lukewarm attitude towards God, these people make Jesus nauseous. He wants to spit them out of his mouth. And this is almost shocking at first. He doesn't condemn these Christians for their wicked deeds or for their lack of faith or for their wrong beliefs. He condemns them for their indifference. That's their sin. They're indifferent. They're apathetic. They just don't care that much to seek after God. They have lost their zeal. And while indifference is the symptom, there's a deeper problem. And the deeper problem is this. They think they're okay with God. They think they're fine. But they're not. Jesus writes of their self-image, I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing. But the reality is very different. According to Jesus, they're actually wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And these are all characteristics of their spiritual condition before God. That's what this is describing. Before God, they're nothing. They're naked. They're wretched. They're poor. They're blind. They can't even see their own spiritual condition. They don't even know how poor they are. And this is talking about people who are believers. They know the gospel but they aren't, they aren't wrecked by the gospel. They aren't moved by the gospel. They aren't thankful for the gospel every single day. They aren't seeking God with their whole heart. So if you want to know how God feels about Christians who are not seeking him wholeheartedly, he sees them as naked, blind beggars. Is what this text is saying. They have no ability to change their own condition. They can't even see their own condition And so God gives them counsel. He doesn't threaten to abandon them or punish him. He gives them counsel. He says, get close to me. Be zealous for me. Repent. Open the door. Let me in. Let me into your life. I'm right here. I'm knocking. I'm at the door. And this is a stunning picture of the grace of God. This is one of the the greatest pictures we, we have of Jesus in the New Testament. In fact, Pastor Scott, in his office, I believe he inherited some practically ancient sculptures of hanging, um, I don't even know what they're made of, but they're heavy, and they're hanging on his wall. It's these handmade sculptures of Jesus, and one of them is, is from this text. It's Jesus knocking on the door of someone's heart. It's, not, it's Jesus knocking on the liter- a literal door. It's a depiction of this. And you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen this in a piece of art or hanging in your own home, maybe. This is the context. It's Jesus pleading with someone who has grown indifferent to him. And he's knocking at the door. That is grace. He's ready to change us. He's giving us another chance at the relationship. No matter what condition the relationship is in. Because when we stop seeking God... God keeps seeking us. 
God's affection is never lukewarm towards us. And the best thing that we can do, the thing that I hope we remember about 2017, is that we went out looking for God and we didn't stop and we didn't give up until we found Him. I hope we remember that this year we took our eyes off of everything else in our lives that distracts us from from God and from the things of God and that we turn to, to God, we turn back to God, seeking for Him, looking for Him, talking to Him, listening to Him, asking Him to come in over and over and over again. Because in the end, this is really about this is really about submission. That's what this is about. This is about us submitting ourselves to God's sovereign grace. Opening the door, letting Jesus in, giving him everything. Giving him his rightful place at the table, at the head of the table. This is about God asking lukewarm believers to stop being indifferent and instead turn to him in repentance and eagerness and submit ourselves to his will in everything. Submit ourselves to his word. Submit ourselves to his discipline. I mean, every healthy relationship you've ever had was marked by mutual submission. Did you know that? That's how a marriage works, mutual submission. That's how a church works, mutual submission. That's what we're supposed to be doing as a church. I submit to you. I submit myself to you for your benefit. Every opportunity I get. And you submit yourself to me for my good. Every opportunity you get. And this goes on over and over. We just keep doing it over and over and over again. We just keep giving ourselves to one another. Submitting ourselves to each other. Searching, searching each other. Knowing each other. Sacrificing for each other. Loving each other. That's how the relationship works. That's how our relationship with God works. That's right. Mutual submission. Except here's the difference. God did it first. God submitted himself first for us. God looked for you when you weren't looking for him. God in the man Jesus laid his life down for you. He put his comfort aside. He rejected the path to security and wealth and instead took the path of humility and pain and ultimately death. That's what God did. He submitted himself for us. And now he's asking us to do the same. And this verse 19, it just blows my mind. In Revelation 3.19, look, look at this verse with me one more time. It says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. I mean, that's, that's it right there. This is Jesus' call to us. Why are we so afraid to submit ourselves to God? When we know Jesus is standing, knocking at the door in grace. Why are we afraid to answer? Are we afraid of discipline? Because here Jesus tells us that discipline is the reason we should turn to him. He says, you should turn to me because I discipline those whom I love. We need that. We need discipline. We need correction. It is health for our bones. It it hurts in the beginning, but then it leads to joy and righteousness. It's the best thing we could ask for. And yet, we are like children. 
we struggle with it. We don't always enjoy. I mean, we 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 don't we don't really want it, at least at first. It's like with our kids when when they mess up, we find out our kid mess up, and we take them aside. You know, in our house, when one of our kids uh, breaks a rule or hurts somebody or you know does something worthy of discipline, we take them into the bathroom. I really wish my kids were here this morning to hear this. But we take them into the bathroom and we sit down and they know what's going to happen. And you know what they do? They, <laughs> If this is the room and I'm sitting here, they back themselves into the farthest corner. That's, that's what they do every time because they know, they know that discipline is coming. And I'm like thinking to myself, why? why? Why do you do that? Why do you think I'm out to get you? Why do you feel compelled to keep me at a distance? You can't stop me from doing this. I love you. I'm going to discipline you. There's nothing you can do to change that. You can make it worse. The best thing you can do is come right over here to me right now and submit yourself to me and just receive my love. And it's going to hurt at first, but then it's going to get a lot better because we're going to be able to put this behind us. No more deception. No more grief. No more conflict. No more tension. Forgiveness. Peace, newness. That's exactly how our relationship with God works. We should want that. We fear punishment. We fear pain. But we forget that God is gentle and merciful. And that he's doing that for our good. Just like a a good father doesn't take pleasure in seeing their kids suffer the consequences for their sin. They just want their kids to be free. They want their kids to know them. And they want to know their kids. And sin is in the way. Their sin is in the way. Your sin is in the way. And, and we, we discipline them. Just get it out of the way. Let's get it out of the way. And that's what God is saying to us. Let's get it out of the way. Submit yourself to me. Let's get it out of the way. And Jesus is standing at the door. It's our move. So my challenge to you this morning is if you hear the voice of Jesus, do not harden your heart today. Do not keep him at a distance any longer. Please, I'm urging you. Do not delay his discipline. This is the first day of 2017, right? I cannot think of a better way to start this year than to be together worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But let's not wait until next Sunday to take the next step. Okay? Let's seek Christ every single day this week and every single day this year. Are you with me, my friends? Do you want to get closer to God? I mean, nobody can create that desire in you, but there's no better desire that you could have. <clears throat> there's no more there's no better thing you could be excited about or enthusiastic about this year than being closer to God. It's the best way to live. It's the thing we need most. It's the thing we need most. So I'm going to ask you to to pray with me now. And I would like to, I'm going to ask you to to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And I just want to ask you a question. I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hands or anything. But I just want to ask, do you struggle 
with indifference towards Jesus Christ? Do you struggle with being with this lukewarm attitude, not being cold and not being hot and on fire for God, but just being kind of okay? Do you struggle with that? If you do, would you open the door to Jesus today? And I, I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and I'm going to ask you to say this prayer along with me, just in your hearts, and, and just, just to say this from your own heart as we pray together. Lord Jesus, I have been lukewarm in my affection for you, but I want more than anything to get closer to you, God. And I'm asking you today, God, to come into my life and to show yourself to me. Your word says that those whom you love, you correct and discipline. Lord, I surrender myself to you today, even if it means discipline. I surrender myself to you, Jesus, because you surrendered yourself for me. God, please draw me close to you today and every day this week and this year. And change my heart so that I'm no longer indifferent, but so that I am on fire for you. Because we know, God, that there's nothing better than to have a heart that simply longs for you, God. No matter what our past looks like, no matter the sins that, that sometimes hang like a shadow over us, or the sins that are in a rearview mirror, God, the best thing for us is a deep desire and hunger to be in your presence. God, there's no limit to what you can do in our lives when we desire you. So make us a people who are hot for you, God, that we are on fire, longing to be with you and to be near you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.